Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 394. Something my father taught me, it's I don't care what it looks like as long as it's perfect. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Alan Taylor. Alan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am absolutely strapped in. Let's go for it. Cool, great. Really nice to have you here. Alan Taylor is the owner of Alan Taylor Company located in Escondido, California. They're a full-service automotive restoration business specializing in European and American models from the pre-war era through the 1960s. Alan and his talented team are known for their work on Alphas, Aston Martins, Avions Voisson, Bugatti, Delage, Delahaye, and many other great marks. Their reputation for creating award-winning automotive masterpieces with a focus on details and perfection is known worldwide. You've seen his work on Concord lawns from Pebble Beach to Amelia Island. With over 50 years in the business, Alan has seen most every mark ever made roll through his shop. His motto, the impossible we do immediately, miracles take a little longer. I love that. That's great. So, Alan, you're welcome. I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share just a little bit more about your business, your career, and, of course, your passion for fine automobiles? Well, I was a stereotypical Southern California teenage hot rodder back in the, uh, in the 50s and 60s. On Saturday, you could usually find me underneath some greasy old car. <laughs> cool. And on Sunday after church, I was out uh, racing somewhere. Those days were, were fun. They were exciting. We did things that today you would go to jail for. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but back then, it was just kind of a part of life. Sure. My, uh, my father was my inspiration. Uh, he was an automobile upholsterer, and he was old school. One of the finest craftsmen I have ever met in my life. The man was, was just absolutely magic with his hand tools, with his hands. The only thing that he didn't have was he did not have uh, uh, an idea of what a clean shop looked like. <laughs> and he, he would come out to the garage and he would use my tools in my garage. Now, this, I'm, I'm somewhere between 12 and 16 years old at the time. <laughs> using my tools in my garage 
And when he was finished with his project, he would leave the dust, the dirt, the grease, the sawdust, whatever it happened to be, uh-huh. uh, along with my tools laying on the bench. And I would go <laughs> ballistic. And I would have to come in behind him, clean, my, clean it up, hang all my tools up on the wall. Yeah. And I was, um, I was a neat freak as a little kid. Mm-hmm. That's just uh, the way I grew up was being organized and doing things uh, in an orderly fashion which really has helped me through the years in my automotive business. Well, the great thing about this story is I, I share I share something with you there. My dad was kind of the same way. I was kind of the tidy guy, and he just kind of came out and did things. Maybe that's because he grew up on a farm where they were always so busy they didn't have time to, to clean up. But you worked with your dad when you were little. I know that we spoke a few days ago, and then kind of carried on the family business. And you guys at your shop there at Allen Taylor, you guys have been putting together, restoring, and building some amazing automobiles, incredible craftsmanship. I was introduced to you by Michael Dorvier, who runs the La Jolla Concours event. He's the one who said, you got to talk to Allen and have him on your show. And I got to see some of the vehicles you've worked on at that event that I attended earlier this year. And as we continue on your journey, we're going to learn a little bit more about you and what you do there. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah. So, Alan, take the wheel. Well, my inspirational quote is um, something my father taught me. It's, I don't care what it looks like as long as it's perfect. (laughs) Well, I can only imagine how you've carried that through into your business, but maybe you can talk a little bit about that in the way that you guys approach your projects for your clients, because your motto, the impossible we do immediately and miracles take a little longer, is very telling to this this mantra, this quote you shared with me. So how do you carry that forward with what you do for your clients? I am the QC person in the shop. Mm-hmm. If something is not correct and I don't catch it and my customer sees it, I'm embarrassed. I don't blame my employees for it. I blame myself because I'm the guy who has the final word. Ah, okay. So I'm very careful about inspecting everything as we go along. Sometimes it frustrates some of my guys, but they've learned to deal with it. They understand that it's my neck that's on the line. You know, these guys are great craftsmen. They can all find another job uh, this afternoon if they had to. I'm not that fortunate. If something happened, I would be out of work. So I'm very, very careful about what we do and how we do it. And the customer's thoughts and ideas and passion and desires are what we work to achieve. It's not ours. It's the customer's. Yeah. Well, it's an awesome way to run a business. And with the level of quality of the marks that you guys work on there, these automobiles, and especially today with the way prices have escalated in collector automobiles, perfection is so, so important. And for what people are spending on these cars and spending on having them restored, they do expect the best. So very admirable. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about being this guy that would be laying under a car and racing on Sunday afternoons, but is there a pivotal moment in your life that you remember when you really realized that you were a car guy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was about 14, going on 15. In San Diego, in in Balboa Park, 
they, there's a building called the Electric Building. Yeah, a great building. Yes, which was built for the World's Fair in the, I think, in the uh, 20s or 30s. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they used to have car shows there twice a year. And I lived across the canyon from that, and I would ride my bicycle over there, and I'd, I would watch them move the cars into the building, and um, sometimes, well, they would take the gasoline out of them, and so they had to be pushed in. Mm-hmm. And I'd help push the cars into the building, and I got to uh, go in and look at the cars and get up close and personal before they got roped off. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. As a kid, I used to build bicycles. I'd go up and down the alleys and pick bicycle parts up out of the trash, take them home and put bicycles together. And as a teenager, we had a saying, if it don't go, chrome it. (laughs) And and, um, uh, with bicycles, it was kind of like that. uh, If it don't go, add another sprocket. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So I had a bicycle that I had built. It was black with pearlescent flames. Uh, in orange, green, and blue. And it had, uh, oh, I don't remember, something like, it was either 12 or 24 speeds. Anyway, it was way overblown. I rode that over to the show, and I parked it outside the door, and I was pushing cars in, and the uh, promoter of the show came out, and he was looking at, at my bicycle. Yeah. And uh, he said, kid, this is this is beautiful. Who did it? And I said, I did. <laughs> nice. He, um, he said, would you like to bring it in and show it? Wow. And I, I said, really? And he says, yeah. <laughs> Come on, bring it in here, and we'll we'll set you up with a, a spot and a, and a display card. And so I wheeled my bike in, and, and he pointed to this guy, this heavyset man sitting at a, with a wearing a T-shirt, sitting at a, an easel uh-huh. with a bunch of display cards at his side. and had this funny little goatee. And um, he said, um, go over there and, and, uh, and have him make you a card. Put your name on it and your bicycle and what you call it. So I went over and had, had the guy uh, make me a display card and um, took it back and set it up by my bicycle on this little easel on the floor. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I had to go borrow a nickel to call my mom to have her come get me. <laughs> and so the guy gave me a nickel and... I called my mother and told her what I was doing, and I left my bicycle there, and I used to go over. I went over every day that the car show was running, which I think was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Wipe my bicycle down and walk around and, and feel very proud and look at what everybody else was doing. And I got a chance to talk to the guys that owned the cars and built the cars. And it just absolutely thrilled me with what they were doing and their ingenuity and things that they had done to the cars. Yeah. And that's what got me started. Wow. <laughs> that's so cool. Now, what, what year would this have been? When oh, you... and, and by the way, yeah, uh-huh. by the, way, the guy painting the signs, Yeah, that was, that was Ed Roth. You know, when you, I was hoping you were going to say that. When you said the little goatee, I was thinking, I hope this is Ed Roth he's talking about. But then he didn't say it, and I went, oh, well, it's just some other guy. But... Uh, we, well, that's really cool. Now, what year would this have been? Oh, let's see. Um, Is it mid-60s? No, 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 no. no. Um, Mid-50s. Mid-50s, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, late, late 50s, actually. Late 50s, okay, all right. I would have been um, probably about 55, 1955. 55, okay, very yeah. cool, very cool. That's great. 
5556, right in there. Yeah, awesome story. So, Alan, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and do what I like to say, crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty, Certain, certainly something you're not afraid of doing, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this talk has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? Oh, my goodness. Success and failure. That's that's a subject that I'm I'm very much aware of, and uh, I have been through several successes and several failures. The one that that sticks out in my mind the most, and that kind of um, set me on a different path in life. I owned a I, I built a business in the late '60s, early '70s, called TaylorMade. We did van interiors, uh, pickup truck interiors. We manufactured a line of race car seats and safety equipment. Uh, we produced a, a catalog uh, twice a year. And um, we were absolutely king of the mountain in that industry. My head became so swollen that I could hardly get it through a door. <laughs> uh, my ego just was more than than anybody could bear. And <clears throat> so when the oil uh, crunch hit in the early 70s, instead of scaling down like I should have, I decided to shift my direction a little bit and scale up. And I took in some partners. And one of them was not terribly nice person and took a whole bunch of us out all at one time. Mm. So I was absolutely devastated. Uh, I went from being the um, uh, the hero of the uh, van industry to uh, Alan Taylor. Who's that? <laughs> the hero uh, to the I, zero. Yeah. 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 And I was crushed. Absolutely mm-hmm. crushed. Oh yeah. And that was that was really a pivotal moment for me. It's when I learned that I was not. Um, Uh, infallible, and that disasters could hit me, and that I I needed to um, take a close look at my life and my attitude. And it was my wife, my loving, caring wife, and the strength that I received from my belief in God that got me through that. So um, I shifted gears and started doing some other things. Uh, I had an attorney that was a super neat guy and friend. He handed me an envelope with $5,000 in it, and he said, Alan, go start a business Mm. and take you back when you can. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Awesome. So that's exactly what I did. Wow. Well, yeah, I appreciate you sharing such a personal story. You know, so many people, so many listeners out there go through these things in their career, their life, whatever the challenge brings. And it really is, how do you pivot? How do you come out of that? How do you self-analyze, redirect, reflect all those things? So we're so happy that uh, you did shift gears and and moved to a different level and uh, became what you are today. But really great story. Thanks for sharing that. And speaking of shifting gears, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. I like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for this new idea, this new direction you have for your business, 
Maybe it's your life. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Well, it was it was following this disaster. We decided we needed to go somewhere to live that was less stressful, where we could raise our children in a, uh, a little more calm and peaceful climate. So we moved to uh, we moved to a little town in Arkansas called Heber Springs, and it was a beautiful little mountain community on a lake. And I started a refinishing shop there, doing wood refinishing and antique furniture restoration. Wow. And we uh, we soon uh, decided that we needed to get our kids down to the city for cultural reasons. And um, uh, so we moved to Little Rock from there. Mm-hmm. And we no more than moved down to Little Rock. Then I got a call from a friend at GMC Truck, uh, Truck and Bus. Uh, who I used to do uh, uh, some prototype work for uh, when we had TaylorMade. And he said, I want you to um, meet me at uh, this bus factory in in Arkansas uh, next week, and we're going to design some vehicles to house the Olympic Torch Relay Team in 1984. Oh, wow. And I said, I'm not in that business anymore. And he says, yeah, well, for this you can. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we met at the bus factory, and there were representatives from General Motors, from Buick, from the Olympic Organizing Committee in Los Angeles. And I looked around the room, and I, I said, mm, you know, I'm, I'm out of place here. Hmm. And they started talking about the vehicles. And I said, you know, give me a draftsman and uh, about an hour. And so they did, and we went off into a separate room. I had a draftsman and an engineer, and and I started designing this uh, the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And we came back and said, "Okay, this is this is the vehicle." And the guys from General Motors looked at it and they said, "Well, we'll need this type of chassis, and we can modify this and modify that." And the guys from the bus factory said, "Yeah, we can build a body that does all of those things." And I left that meeting absolutely exhilarated. I mean, I was just, I was on a high that I couldn't believe. Wow. I was back in business. Yeah. I was back. That's so cool. (laughs) That was terrific. Yeah. Awesome story. Great story. Well, you never know. You know, it's a, a nice lesson for the listeners out there. Take a step outside of that comfort zone. You never know what might happen. Absolutely fantastic. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many with the amazing automobiles that you guys work on, the projects you work on, but is there one in particular that really stands out for you? As far as a business moment does, yes, it's it's that project that we did for the 84 Olympics. Once I designed the vehicles, uh, uh, GM, the, uh, GMC asked me to build them um, in conjunction with the bus factory so the bus company body put bodies on uh, on the chassis and they were just raw unpainted bodies they gave me a fistful of money and i very rapidly set up a, um, a shop to do these vehicles in and we built 13 30 foot buses they were actually we built built them into um, compartmentalized motorhomes and then there were two vehicles 
for uh, the press, and there was a, a uh, command and control unit. Then they said, well, we need someone to teach uh, people every week how to drive these vehicles, how to take care of them, what to do with them, what not to do. So they hired me as a consultant, and I was on the relay for uh, the entire relay. I was on for usually on for three days, off for four. And I'd come back on the weekend. Sometimes I'd stay on for four and go home for three. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd stay for a couple of weeks at a time. Wow. But that was an exciting time in my life, and I was I was very proud of those vehicles and what we had accomplished in such a very short length of time. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. What an adventure to get to travel. And Now, you actually went along and as the torch went across the country. Is that what those vehicles are for? Yes. Yeah, wow, fantastic. What fun. Wow, that's great. Well, congratulations for a wonderful experience and all you got to do there. That sounds absolutely great. 84 was a special year for me. It's the year I got married, so I remember those Olympics. That is nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Well, probably my Seattle uh, Spider. Ooh, a Seattle. Wonderful. Yes. Wow. Well, in the days that I owned it, it was it was an it was an old used sports car yeah. that nobody wanted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because you couldn't wow. buy parts for them. Yeah. Nobody knew how to work on them. And so I put a 283 Chevy engine in it, and I raced it, and I rallied it, and drove it on the street, and just had a had a great time with it. It's probably one of the more one of the most fun cars I've ever owned, and it's the car that I was driving when I met my wife. And the most memorable time that I have with that car was the first date I had with my wife, and um, she didn't know how to buckle the. Uh, the uh, racing belts and so I had to buckle her in and I took her out for uh, a ride in this car and of course I was showing off (laughs) and I immediately got on it too hard and I broke a rear axle and so there we sat sat five minutes away from her house in this beautiful little sports car with a broken axle and myself with a red face (laughs) I'll bet I'll bet (laughs) And after we were, about 20 years after we were married, my wife turned to me one time and she said, you know what the pivotal moment for me was in our relationship? And I said, no, what was that? She said, it was that ride in your Seattle Mm. where we sat and talked until we got up enough uh, courage to walk back to my house. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a great story. I love that. You know, Seattle's are... Gosh, they're such beautiful cars, and of course they become such valuable cars. I have a friend up here in the Northwest, David Smith, who has a a fifty three two hundred eight CS. I think it's a it was called a if I say this right, Stabilamenti Farini Spider. <laughs> uh, Seattle. It was actually a, a car that came very close to being a car that won at Pebble Beach, uh, the the best of show at Pebble Beach. It was. Uh, before, of course, John Shirley's one as being one of the uh, first push for cars in a long time, winning at Pebbles Beat. But the car was so beautiful, I got to spend a whole day around the car photographing it. He gave me a ride in it. Just a beautiful work of art. And he did most of the work himself on that car as well, which is pretty amazing. But uh, wow, a Seattle. Now that is a special first car, especially with those 
those really personal memories. Thanks for sharing those. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Probably a dozen of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one, I think the one car that my wife and I both enjoyed tremendously and really had a lot of fun in was our, our uh, 1935 Auburn 851 boat tail speedster. Ooh, oh, gosh. Supercharged, uh, straight eight, just a, a wonderful car. Yeah. Bright red, tan interior car that I had had completely restored myself. That's an easy driving car, mm-hmm. and my wife liked to drive it. It was fun for her too. Oh wow! But it was uh, we showed the car together, and and we drove it, and we rallied it, and we just had a wonderful time in that car. Yeah. And it's because the car was so easy to drive, and and that she could enjoy the car with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was not afraid to take that car out on her own. It was just a, a grand car. Wow, what a great what a great memory. Sorry, sorry that I I had to mention that uh, that one was gone, but um, at least you got to enjoy it for a while as part of your oh, life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we still see the car at shows. Oh, perfect, awesome. It's like visiting an old friend. Yeah, yeah. It's still winning shows today. There you go. And it, it gets driven. Well, I good. Important. That's yes. the most important. Thing. Oh, absolutely. These cars need to be driven. Yes, absolutely. Boo on the garage queens. How about current projects? Now, we talked a few weeks ago before we got together for this talk today. You talked about some changes happening at your shop and some directions uh, that you guys are focusing on. Can you talk a little bit about that and and what current? Sure. Yeah, what currently has you excited and fired up? Well, we have always designed and built custom fitted luggage for the cars that we restore, mm-hmm. and uh, toolkits as well. But the luggage is something that um, has become uh, a needed item once again in the history of the automobile. Today's cars, the, especially the sports cars, uh, have absolutely no room for luggage. And you put your stuff in a backpack or a soft bag, and you cram it down into a little hole, and when you get to where you're going, your wife unpacks and she looks at her wrinkled clothes <laughs> yeah. and, says, and says, what's the use? So we are starting to manufacture uh, fitted luggage for the new cars as well as the old cars. It's coming along slow, but uh, it is coming along. And, and uh, the people who have been buying them and using them are very excited about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is so cool. What a wonderful idea, not only for the old cars, but you mentioned the newer cars because, uh, yeah, these sports cars, some of these sports cars, there is no place to put anything. And you're right. I've I've done some drives with my wife and we get there and she's like, look at our clothes. They're a mess. You know, we've got to go out to a dinner this evening with all these people. What am I going to do? So, well, that's absolutely spectacular. I love that. And I would assume on your website, is there a place where people can go and look at examples? Or are you still building something like that? Or we're still building we're still building a website for the luggage. It will be called it'll be called Taylor Made Fitted Luggage by Allen Taylor Company. Awesome, great. Well, we'll all look forward to seeing images of some of these beautiful works of art that you're creating. Ah, sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Alan. Okay. If you were a car, what kind of car would Alan be and why? You know, 
you mentioned this to me uh, before the show, and I thought about I thought about that and thinking up a a good answer for that. <laughs> In the early '30s and on up to the Second World War, there were a lot of Bugatti GP cars in the United States, little booktail race cars. And they were very, very expensive to repair, hard to get parts for them, almost impossible, in fact, to get parts for them. And a lot of Americans that changed, uh, that took the little four-cylinder Bugatti engines out and put Ford Model A and Model B four-cylinder engines in them and, and hopped them up. And uh, they ran great. They were terrific. They were very competitive. And they, it, it, it was a good transformation at the time. So I think I would be a Bugatti Ford. A Bugatti Ford. Okay. A Bugatti Ford. <laughs> because Bugatti was very artistic, very precise, a high quality of engineering, impressive to look at, interesting to work on. And then the Ford was was the the power behind all of that, or actually in front of all of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was a very simple motor, a very simple engine. Very unique answer. Well, you're definitely the first one to answer that question that way. <laughs> That's why I like the question. I get a lot of really great answers to that. Wonderful. Well, Alan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsor. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CARSYEAH.com slash sponsors. Okay, Alan, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Do only high-quality work. Perfect for you and your business, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? GFW. GFW? Yes, one, two, three, in that order. God, family, work. There you go. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Oh, absolutely. Um, Restoration Supply Company, actually here in Escondido, puts out a catalog of restoration parts and supplies for the the hobbyist. And they're primarily uh, early cars, brass cars, but they have an awful lot of parts that roll over into the 
the uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And their website is uh, www.restorationstuff, all one word, dot com. Restorationstuff.com. <laughs> I love it. Great. We'll make sure we post that on your show notes page. And how about a book? Is there one book in particular you've enjoyed that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? Yes, it's it's also um, kind of along the same lines, but it's called Automotive Detailing oh. by Don by Don Taylor, a complete car care guide for the auto enthusiast and detailing professionals. This is probably the most comprehensive book on the market about auto detailing and detailing for show. So anybody out there that is that that loves to to clean their car and detail it and make it look beautiful. You really need this book. It's published by HP Books, and you can buy these at uh, Walmart, Pep Boys, Target, uh, off a lot of the uh, automotive supply stores. The big chains all have it, have it. And that's, again, that's Automotive Detailing by Don Taylor. Awesome. Great. Well, that's a Special place in my heart. I wrote a detailing book years ago. I'm sure his is much, much more expensive. I'm sorry, expansive than the one that I put together. So I'm going to have to get my hands on that and give it a read. Listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyeah.com slash Alan Taylor. There's also a great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books with easy, quick links to get your hands on all these books, and especially the one that Alan has shared with us about car detailing. Fantastic. All right, Alan, we're up to what I call the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'm going to write the check. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? At the moment, I'm I'm just starting on a new Speedster for myself. And it's a 1916 Seagraves chain drive Speedster. Seagraves is a fire truck, and so this will be a cut-down fire truck. And the reason that I I like this and would want this and keep this for the rest of my life is because it is fun to drive. It's thrilling to drive. It's something that that is just a, just an absolute kick in the pants to drive and play with. And its value is so low that you're you're not tempted to sell it. <laughs> well, that's even better. It's just something that is really fun and fun to drive. Wow, well, that's a unique answer as well, Alan. You've pulled a few rabbits out of your hat today. Wow, that's the first time I've ever heard of one of those. I can't wait to see the finished product. You'll have to send me pictures of that when you're done so we can share it. I will. It. Yeah. You'll, you'll love it. Yeah, you'll so we can share it with the Cars yeah audience. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Alan, you have taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your 1960 Seagraves Speedster? Yes. Work at what makes you happy. If you're happy in your work, you'll be happy at home. You'll be happy with yourself. You may not make as much money as you would like to, but you will enjoy life, you'll be healthier and live longer. And remember to share that with someone else. Absolutely. Great, great 
sign off here, Alan. I appreciate that. And listeners, again, you can find links to everything Alan's been so kind to share at carsyad.com. Just put Alan, A-L-A-N, in the search bar and his show notes page will pop up with links to everything. Alan, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. My sign off to you is drive with a smile. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.